This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 85 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. Brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. On today's show, we chat with Dr. Shannon Reed on how to keep horses cool in the summer heat, especially when traveling. We catch up with Making the Makeover rider Natalie Holdren as she and her horse make the most of the last month of summer before the thoroughbred makeover. And last but not least, Leandra Cooper from New Vocations joins us to bring us a training tip in our Adoptable Horse of the Week. Listen in. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan. And this is Kristen Kovach-Bentley from Jamestown, New York, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Joy, happy a few days after your birthday. Thank you. Yes, I'm officially 30. It's a new decade. Ooh, welcome. And I'll tell you... I don't feel any wiser, smarter, or anything else that I thought I would. So that was a Correct. little disappointing, but everything else has been great. Yeah, I don't know who sold you that that was what happens when you turn 30, but that's not actually it. No, I feel just as confused as when I was 29, so. <laughs> <laughs> but you're one more dressage show in. Tell us how that went. Yes, it was fun. So I actually did two dressage shows, one online and one in person, if you will. I'm, not, I'm like thinking of office terms. I'm like, why do you say like, a real dressage show? Like, what is that? They're both real though. So on my birthday, I showed, it was a lot of fun. I took an American cream draft cross named Peanut to her very first show ever. And she had three days of dressage training before that. So that was exciting. We went, We were a six-year trail horse prior who never learned how to write lead canter. So, oh, it's okay. It's did okay. it work? No. Oh, but well. she, re- she really had an A for effort. Like she did try because she's never done a canter circle either. And that was our first attempt at the show. So we did not do well in our second test of the day with the canter work, but she took first place in her uh, walk trot intro A. Oh, she yay. was the very first test of the day. She like trailered like a dream, didn't Winnie too much. She didn't really care about her friends there. And the main thing is because she's going, well, she's a candidate for a lesson program. And we wanted to be sure she could also be shown by the students who primarily are under the age of 16. So we need to be sure this horse isn't running away with small children when we take it places. Yes. And she was a rock star. I barely had to correct her. So I was the guinea pig for the day. She seems to really like dressage as well, which was nice. She took everything in stride. The judge thought she was super cute. And I think she scored a 63 for her intro A. And we actually got a 61 for her intro C, even though we did not get the canner. I was just laughing the entire time. I'm like, well, that's in a train wreck. <laughs> we had, well, the only goal was to stay in the saddle and to stay in the arena. And so the fact he took a ribbon and then we technically came in seventh out of eight for intro C. I'm like, cool. We're taking it. I've never Um, gotten a four in my life though. until this day, (laughs) I'm like, that hurt, that hurt real bad. (laughs) 
Yeah, but see, you made it. Like, now it's happened, and it's only going up from here for Peanuts. So, yeah. Yeah, good and girl. I'm also super proud of Astrid, because I entered her in the online dressage show through Better Dressage Scores, and I did a post on that two weeks ago. So check it out on our Instagram. I just kind of want to get a baseline of where she was at. She continues to progress and she did amazing. She got a second place and actually scored a 67, which I'm like, how? Cause she felt like a fire breathing dragon. I felt like my abs are splitting just to keep her together. It's like, this is a ass show. Like, like I got my, my poor boyfriend who is a first boyfriend in training. He's my new cinematographer and he's my groom and he's all the things he's like volunteered himself to make breakfast at the next horse show. He's like creating oh, a whole mess. new. He's a precious gem that must be protected. We've all decided. Uh, yeah. yeah. You take care of that man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, um, but he had to videotape my online show. And the first one we did, the first attempt was beautiful. I was so happy with it. He did not record in landscape and he forgot to zoom in. Oh, damn. Oh, that's the worst. Beautiful yeah, like B-roll. great if you're going to put it on TikTok. Not yeah. so good. <laughs> really great Instagram real material. So it'll be really fun playing in that. And I was like, honey, we got to do it again because I can't use that one. I can't submit that one. I sent you the directions. He's like, I just thought the camera angles were really nice. And I'm like, it's really nice. It's not about the angles, though, buddy. That's oh. not it. Like, you have to follow the directions. Uh, freestyle. Astrid's got about oh. seven minutes of brilliance per 45 minute ride. That I think was that. And I was like, okay, that was like three minutes. So maybe, maybe there's a little bit in there. No, we were done. Oh, she you used up your quarter. Yes. We had a meltdown for a minute and we did a lot of circles. <laughs> but she realized <laughs> that she was not done after halting at X, which she knows what that means. But yeah, the fact she got a 67 and a second place and the judge thought she's a very attractive horse with a great feature ahead of her was very inspiring and motivating. So I'm like, well, at least we're not complete trash pandas in the arena. No, you're ready to go now. Yeah. So it, it was motivating and good at the same time, but enough about all my crazy. It seems like you had a crazy weekend and I want to hear about your stories. I mean, it was just sort of a routine day on the old ranch, I guess. A non-rancher, that does not feel routine to me. I just would like to point out. <laughs> No, I don't remember what we were. Oh, we were not going to ride is what was going to happen. And probably, you know what it actually is, is when we've decided if we have an order placed for Mexican takeout, then it always hits the fan like 95% of the time. So apparently we just get too much Mexican takeout, but we did intend to get Mexican that night. And that's why it all went south, I think is what happened. So yeah, we went out. Know. They're like, we don't want mom to feel gassy and bloated because of all the refried beans. Like, like we're going to protect her at all costs by causing chaos. Yeah. Well, and it wasn't even the horses, like for one. Oh, that's well, right. <laughs> the horses were about the fine. other four, like a chaos creators at your farm. Yeah. So we have a, like one main pasture and that's split with a temp line and the cattle rotate from side to side, but I keep the horses just on one side for access to shade and shelter mm-hmm. and the cattle go back and forth. So the cattle were on the same side with the horses. So we have the horses feed set up and then, you know, Eric and I are just wandering around looking at the cows just to put eyes on them every day as we do. And Eric goes, Oh no. And he points and one of the Hereford cows, so she's a red cow with a white face, mm-hmm. like looked like she had just stepped out of a horror movie. Like, 
blood spatters across her face oh, like on the white. And we were like, oh, what? What is happening? And then he goes, ah, and he points at another cow and she's got blood spatters across one hip. And then I go, ah, and I point at a third cow and she's got blood spatters. And we're like, what is going on out here? So we're walking around trying to figure out like who is bleeding on everyone else. And Eric points at the bull and goes, oh, I think I found it. And somehow the bull had ripped the end of his tail off. Oh my God. <laughs> we're not sure how. We think what happens Aliens. is... Yeah. Well, that was the first thing. I was like, okay, somebody just like raptured and grabbed his tail. But the cattle, for some reason, when it's really hot out, they like to sleep and stand like literally on top of each other. Like it'll just be like a cow pile. That sounds very counterintuitive, but okay. Yeah. Cow logic is not the greatest logic. So don't take a whole lot of life advice from cows. But we think what happened is that maybe a cow stood on the end of his tail and he stood up really fast and it's been really dry. So the ground's very hard. So we think that's probably what happened. And it just like, whoop, and just ripped like the hairy part off. Do you reattach it? Well, we couldn't find it. Oh, (laughs) like stick one on, like the pin, the tail on the donkey. Like, what do you do? (laughs) So initially we were like, well, that's not great. And then we were watching him and he would like get up because we're walking around. So the cows are starting to move around and he would get up and like walk 10 or 15 feet and then lay back down again right away, which was kind of weird. And then as he was laying there, I was watching and I was like, this is bleeding pretty hard and pretty fast. And like, like it looked like somebody just spray painted the ground red where his little nugget was sitting. So I'm sending video down to my sister-in-law who runs the farm. And I was like, what do you want us to do with this? And finally, Eric ran down back to the barn and he grabbed a bridle and a helmet for me. And I just shimmied up on Jobber bareback and we brought the whole herd down that way so that we could treat the bull at the barn in the chute. And then what we did is we actually sort of used a calf bander and just tourniqueted the end of his tail to stop the bleeding. And then it healed up overnight. He got a tetanus booster and he's good to go. He just he doesn't have a little swishy bit anymore. But besides my shocked face, like I need to take a photo of my jaw hitting the bottom of my desk right now. Bravo for quick thinking of kind of going I don't want to say the castration route for cows, but like very smart thinking there. Yeah, that was Eric. Eric was like, I bet we can put a calf band on it. Like, you know, what we would normally do to castrate the calves. And that did the trick. So Uh, it did get a little Western on the way down because every time he would swish his tail, it would just be like a blood spray everywhere. So Jobber was just like, cool, cool, cool. Jobber loved it. He was like, I'm bathed (laughs) in the blood of my enemies. Like he had spatter across his face. I had to clean my bridle. Like it was gross. Like I have spatter across one of my favorite RRP button-down shirts. Uh, oh, Eric had Kristen, spatter I don't across think him. any cowboy would come after you and not give you mad props. I think that's just a hop on your off-the-track thoroughbred bareback and herding cows during a very terrifying situation. <laughs> it was a good time. I'm, I'm just like, meanwhile, the dressage girls, like, do we just give it ace and wait for someone to come fix this? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we ran the whole gamut of like, how much of an emergency is this? And then I was like, that's a lot of blood. I think it's like an emergency, emergency. And that's when we knew there were storms coming in, too. So that was the compounding factor. We all got rained on. So I was like, just grab me a bridle and a helmet and I can get it done. Like, we don't need to screw around with tack because then if you're going to do tack, you got to bring all the brushes out and like do the whole nine yards. So I just Eric gave me a leg up and away we went. (laughs) 
Well, mad props to you because I don't have that kind of energy. I'm like, it's been great knowing you, Bull. This has been a beautiful friendship. Yeah, really. I'm so dead. sorry. Sorry. To yep. you. But I really need to know. I think this is the key part of the story is did you get your Mexican food that night? We did. Yes, we actually, I had my ride timer on because I somehow had the wherewithal to be like, let's see how long this takes. And it was 55 minutes from leg up to turn back out again. So not too bad. All right. Well, that's a win-win. And you know what else is a win? Getting anything from Kentucky Performance Products to keep your horses healthy, sound, and happy. So check out this ad from our premier sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Did you know that easy keepers and horses on restricted diets are often at risk for vitamin and mineral deficiencies? Most easy keepers are maintained on hay, and some get a few handfuls of grain a day, and most of these horses get little to no green grass. Diets that don't include significant levels of green grass or recommended amounts of fortified concentrates just don't supply enough vitamins and minerals. Many horse folks don't realize that hay alone, even high quality green hay, is not an adequate source of many vitamins. For example, when grass is cut and dried for hay, the vitamins quickly lose their potency. 70% of the vitamin E found in grass is lost in the first week after it is cut for hay. One way to ensure that your special needs horse is getting all the vitamins and minerals he needs is to add a vitamin and mineral supplement to his diet. A well-balanced supplement will provide the nutrients your horse requires without adding unwanted calories, starches, and sugars. Microphase, made by Kentucky Performance Products, is a vitamin and trace mineral supplement that bridges the gap in your feeding program. With Microphase, your horse receives adequate and balanced vitamin and mineral nutrition without unwanted calories or other ingredients. The minerals in Microphase have been chelated, a process that protects minerals during digestion and increases their absorption in the intestine. Microphase provides vitamins, such as vitamin E, in a natural form so your horse receives optimal results from this supplement. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Joy, I'm very excited to introduce our guest tonight, who's one of my favorite people to hang out with at the makeover when we're not running around doing 400 other things. We have with us today, Dr. Shannon Reed. Dr. Reed is a clinical associate professor of large animal surgery at Texas A&M University, and she's also the consulting veterinarian for the Retired Racehorse Project, and she was instrumental in developing our arrival exam and our other horse health standards and protocols. She's focused some past veterinary research on thoroughbreds in second careers, and then in her ample free time, she also trains and develops her own two makeover graduates who she's dubbed the brother's mind shaft tell us about your brother's mind shaft shannon because i love them i love following their adventures oh. 
Yeah, they are a pair of geldings that are by Mineshaft, and they have some similar characteristics from Mineshaft, and then in some ways they are very different. One is quite tall and lean, and the other one is a brick house and an athlete. But they mostly tear things up, get into trouble, are demanding. I don't know. They are a pair of horses unlike no others. So when we're not calling them the brothers Mineshaft, we refer to them as the monkeys, and they are full of personality, that's for sure. So they're living the dream, basically, just destroying yeah. your property yeah. and everything you, everything you yeah. own. So they're Wonderful. pretty good on fences. They don't really destroy property besides enhance our neighbor relations. Oh, good. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you fairly recently-ish, or it seems recent, moved to Texas from Ohio. So you know all about what we'd like to talk about tonight, which is adjusting horses to heat and hot climates. Yeah, uh, but before yep. we get to that, I do want to talk a little bit about all the cool stuff that you've helped us do with RRP. You're like volunteer extraordinaire. So tell us a little bit about the arrival exam and how that worked and how you kind of helped bring that idea to fruition for the benefit yeah, of all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did compete twice at RRP and I loved it. It was a great experience and I didn't want to do it again <laughs> in the way of it's a great experience. It takes a lot to get there. And then I am one who keep my horses. So there I was with two thoroughbreds and kind of no other way to stay involved because I wasn't going to show again. And then I started thinking, well, what's the way that I can be involved and what are some things that we can do to strengthen the program? So had some discussions with the leadership at the time to say, we're bringing all these horses in. What can we do to sort of help them arrive in the best shape that they can help the trainers kind of have a goal to move towards? Because when you're going to the makeover and you got your focus on training and there's all these other pressures that are coming, it helps if we can give other people some benchmarks and say, okay, while you're training, let's think about the body condition of your horse and our soundness. And it's just a little bit of an external marker to put that on there to say, this is what we're trying to achieve. And now that's why we instituted the arrival exam, which I think happened for the first time in 2019. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was after my year. So yeah, uh, but yeah. yeah, I got to help with that firsthand. And it was amazing because we put through like, what, like 400 some horses in yeah. a day and a half. Like, <laughs> and they all got the examined. first year. <laughs> yep. 400 yep. horses. And that was our banner sort of opening year. And the next year we did even more horses than that in, in two days. So I think we're refining it every year, but yeah, it's the horses are great. Every year we sort of huddle at the end of it and say, what, what, well, what can we do different? And I think it just keeps getting smoother and smoother each time. Yeah. Well, we'll look forward to see how fast we can crank it out this year. But one thing for people to keep in mind, it just seems like this has been a hotter year. And I'm sure some of it is just like whatever that phenomenon is where you forget everything that happened in the year prior. But it does seem like yeah. this year is hotter than ever. So we're going to have a lot of people shipping from far away to get to Kentucky. And then, you know, a lot of our listeners are just shipping to shows in general. And it's warm. It's really hard to figure out how to safely get your horse from point A to point B, especially if you live someplace, you know, like you do in Texas. So, <laughs> so we wanted to help our listeners kind of try to figure out how they can keep their horses healthy while still enjoying their horses. And I think one thing that a lot of people struggle is when is it too hot to be doing these things? Like, is there a temperature where you'd be like, I'm not going to ride or I'm not going to put a horse in the trailer? Yeah, well, there is and there isn't. And I guess one thing we have to right off the bat kind of think about is it's not just the temperature outside. It's the temperature and the relative humidity together. So for example, if you're looking at your thermometer and you say, okay, it's morning, I can go out and ride. It's only 85 degrees and 
that I am about to get on my horse and I check the relative humidity. And because it's morning and the dew is out and the humidity is also 85 degrees, that's not going to work for that horse. So there's temperature, which needs to be kept in mind, and then relative humidity. For so for some of our listeners, they might be in an arid area of the country. And so for them, the only heat they necessarily have to consider is that the temperature is 92 And so what we tend to see is a nice rule of thumb is to take your temperature in Fahrenheit. Sorry for our Canadian listeners. (laughs) Take our temperature in Fahrenheit, and then you're going to add the relative humidity. So you put those two together, and that's going to give you your sort of combined heat index for horses. And then we'd like to say if you're at 130 or less, there's relatively low risk, and you can think about normal activity. And then there's a couple ranges that you can go from there. And it's basically 130 or less, you're probably okay for most horses. And we're going to, there's a couple exceptions, so remind me to circle back to those. And then right up to about 150 of those two numbers added together, you sort of have a medium risk where you can do your normal activity, but you want to take some breaks. You got to think about rest. You got to think about if you're talking for a period of time with your trainer, your instructor, your friends, that you're going to do it in the shade. So that up to 150 is just a medium risk. And then when we're above 150 with those two things added together, the temperature and the relative humidity, up to about 180, that's a pretty high risk time. You can maybe do light work. And so by light work, it's walking, breaks, everything is quiet, and it's a short period of time. And honestly, if you don't have to be riding at that time, that might not be the best. And then when we get greater than 180, really horses cannot regulate their temperature. And those are some pretty high numbers. If we're talking like 90 degrees outside Fahrenheit and 90 degrees humidity, we don't even really want to be outside, but we can push it through. But the horses, they don't have quite all the same mechanisms uh, that we do. And so the risk of heat stroke is quite high when those are over 180. And then you got to add in a few other things. If your horse has underlying health issues, if there's a bit of maybe not as in shape as they should be, that will kind of move your dial of what they can handle for a heat index. Can you also move your dial if your horse is just kind of a weenie? Yeah, you can because some horses are not going to work very well. (laughs) If your horse is telling you that they don't want to work, that might be viable. But there are a couple of things to keep in mind, and maybe we should circle back to that, is how horses handle heat. There's some mechanisms for that. And so they're going to, they're going to, perspire like we do. And so you're going to get evaporation of perspiration. And so that's a main way in which they cool themselves. Another main way in which they cool themselves is they breathe and they respirate and they breathe in and breathe out and they cool the air. It's part of the mechanisms of getting through things. And if they can't breathe well, then that takes away a mechanism for them. And then there's other things like Cushing's disease and other things that sort of reset the thermal regulation. So, and some horses, might not be able to tell you, hey, I have a little bit of low-grade asthma, and you don't know it because they're, they're horses that do their job, but then they don't want to work in the heat. So someone might be saying, my horse is heat intolerant, and maybe what they actually need is a workup for their airway, for their lungs. Oh, okay. I'll just jot that down for yeah. another thing to worry about. Yeah. All right. Super. Yeah. <laughs> That's super interesting because I was thinking, I always say, is it like a nebulizer treatment? I Mm -hmm. think that's, is that one that you could recommend for horses who might be more heat intolerant? Well, so that's a complicated question you're asking. So what nebulizer means 
is that's like a class of things. So all nebulization means is it's taking a droplet of liquid and or liquid and it's making in such fine droplets that when they inhale it, it gets taken up by the respiratory system. So people mm. can nebulize with a lot of things. And if they are nebulizing with anything, it needs to be at the direction of a veterinarian, not the nebulizer owner who is a person not medically the trained. The quote-unquote barn expert, but not yeah. necessarily <laughs> Exactly. Good so to people know. are doing a lot of nebulizing, and boy, we need to be careful about that because basically an inhaled medication is a route of giving things, and so it's not just, it's not benign to do that. So I think nebulizing is absolutely used appropriately at the direction of a veterinarian. And what we're putting in there can help a lot of horses, especially if their problem is their airway. So that's absolutely should be done for the horses that need it under the direction of a veterinarian with the right thing to do it. So great tool in the right situation. Amazing. Well, now that we're kind of on like, how can you help the horses who are a little more heat intolerant or maybe are traveling from cooler climates to warmer clients. I can think back to the 2019 Thoroughbred Makeover and we had Shelby Dennis competing. She came all the way from Vancouver, Canada, and it happened to be a very hot week in Lexington that week. I remember I'm from Michigan and I was like sweating at 85 with pretty intense humidity. What are some things that people can do to prepare their horses who might be going to the makeover or just traveling in general from those different climates to keep them safe? Yeah, it's a it's a good thought process to kind of work through in the first place. And so the first thing we can do is have them as fit and healthy as possible. And so that means that if you're doing competitive trail, that your horse still has at least walking miles on them, that when you get them out and you work with them and push them a little bit, that they're fit enough that they can recover quickly in your normal climate zone. So that's the first thing to think about. The second thing to think about, especially if they're horses that are hauling to the makeover, is to think about their respiratory health while they are traveling. And so the ways in which we do that is if you have to haul them in a stall, like not everybody's going to be able to do a box stall where their horses can be loose. If you have to haul them in a slant or a straight load where they're going to be tied is to think about stopping and letting them put their head down every few hours, letting them kind of move around and taking a little bit of time to get where you're going to keep the airflow really good in the trailer. So people sometimes kind of close up the trailer a bit and really we want to have as much airflow going through there as possible. So that's going to help them out to keep their respiratory health. They should talk to their veterinarian before they leave and see if they want to do anything to support their animal before they get on the trailer to, to come here. And, and they're going to have different needs for different trips, if you will. But traveling during times of the day that are going to be cooler is going to be better. What I like to do is if I am in the truck and trailer and I have the windows up and the air on high and I am eating Cheez-Its and Coke Zero, having a grand old time, I will turn the air conditioning off, I will open the windows and I will think, how miserable do I get? And if I am super hot and not doing well, then I need to think that's what the horses are getting. So if I've got both windows of the truck open and I'm feeling it, then I need to kind of modify what we're doing for travel. So big things are make sure you have great airflow. If you pack, if you have a five horse trailer and you pack all five horses into it, they're going to generate a lot of heat. 
So thinking about not having sheets on them, not having their legs wrapped. A couple of people have said, and I think this actually works well, you can actually dump bags of ice into the shavings on the base of the trailer and it will cool down the temperature in the trailer some, even like the big bags of 50 pounders. And that will do that for a couple of hours. Uh, When you stop making sure your trailer is in the shade and if you have those small fans that you can put on, that is also helpful. So kind of setting them up on the trailer ride is also important, keeping their respiratory health good. Making sure that you don't have really dusty, dry shavings bedding your trailer, things like that. That's interesting. Yeah. So I always... Like I saw the thing about the ice, you know, that goes viral on Facebook every summer and I'm actually shocked I haven't seen it yet. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And I always wondered, like, does it get to a point then where it's just wet shavings? Does that bring humidity up? Like, what do you You do when all the ice melts? Yeah. I don't think you can put enough ice in to cause the humidity to go up on it. Oh, okay. And your shavings can actually be a little moist anyways, because we want them to stay down. We don't want them to float around the trailer and we want the dust to stay down. So I will, cause my, I don't know, sometimes my shavings dry out, um, especially if they're sitting in the trailer, I keep them load after load. So I go, I clean the manure out and things like that. And they sit in there. I will actually mist them down. So having a little bit of wet shavings or, or damp shavings is actually not going to cause the humidity to go up in the trailer. It's more the relative humidity to the outside that's going to do it. And honestly, the ice is just sort of a sort of get them started. But what's going to make it really hot in there is packing horses in nose to nose, tail to tail, not having windows open, things like that, not having the vents open on the top of the trailer, and then just considering time of travel. The other thing is plan for a blown tire. Okay. So if you are going to have a tire go bad, do you have water? Do you have a way to keep the horses ventilated? And for all those traveling while we're on the the source of heat, it's summer is when everybody blows tires, right? So you should not get on the road in the summertime without new tires or good tread on tires and making sure you have a good spare because when horses will overheat is when they have to pull over on the side of a highway with a stressful situation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So think about, do I have a good spare? Can I change a tire? Well, are my tires in shape to make the trip? so that you don't have a long stop on the side of a highway. Great. Well, now Dr. Reed has just given me a list of things to be paranoid about. So that's really fun. <laughs> uh, but in that reality, maybe yeah, it's a checklist, super solid it's a checklist of things to work mm. ahead of time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you know, as they say, what is it like prevention, preparation prevents problems. I'm sure there's a better way to say that, but you know, oh, we can yeah. coin that ready you are. It's okay. Yeah. That's, I said it, <laughs> not the army. So <laughs> no, I mean, it does, but if you're already thinking like, like we want you to, like, you got to have a checklist. You have a checklist to pack your trunk, right? You have a checklist to pack your clothes. Then you have a trailer checklist and it, where's my tire pressure out? Do I have new tires? Do I have a spare? Do I have water on the trailer? If I need to, how am I going to keep the airflow good in there? And if you're coming, the five horse trailer, do I need to have all five slots open? Because them sitting next to each other packed is going to radiate quite a bit. So it's, it's not a big checklist that we just made. No, it's all good advice. <laughs> well, we could go on and on and on because I'm sure there's much more information to glean from Dr. Reed, but we are out of time for today's oh, show. Gosh, really? But, <laughs> I, <laughs> but that just means that we can have you on again and pick your brain okay. about many other Perfect. fun topics. So Dr. Reed, so much fun, I didn't even realize it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I was, I was like, good. oh my gosh, look at the time. They're pretty cool. 
<laughs> now, I know you said you were but a humble surgeon with no social media or website to speak of. So if anyone wants to get any more information on these particular topics, where would you refer them? Well, the AEP has a great website to start with. So if you go to the AEP, they have like hot topic sites and they'll have like some pull down lists of things you can look at. So I love the AEP. The AEP partners with the horse magazine and a lot of their articles are sort of linked together. And I know I'm a veterinarian, but I want you to talk to your vet and just ask them those questions and do that on your visit and figure that out. So resource is AAP's website, the horse magazine, and their links that they have through there. I think I, I usually find their stuff to be nicely accurate and researched. And then thinking about just talking to your good old-fashioned veterinarian. All right. Well, Dr. Reed, we will look forward to seeing you at the makeover. Hopefully some of our listeners will as well. And hopefully we can have you back again to talk about other scary things that we can get prepared for. <laughs> Excellent. I can't wait. Well, thanks very much. Kristen, I still can't believe how close a thoroughbred makeover feels. I know it's in October, but it's already August. I feel like we're just flying by. Tell us what's new at the Retired Racehorse Projects. I'm sure you have a bunch of stuff going on. Yeah, we are getting geared up for the makeover. There's a lot going on with that. But we are adding something new this year to the makeover experience. So just to add another reason to come down to Kentucky in October, this year we are adding the ASPCA Right Horse Adoption Barn. So that's in partnership with the ASPCA Right Horse Program. So this is in addition to the ASPCA Makeover Marketplace, where you can purchase a makeover graduate who's gone through the program and has done the horse show. This is an adoption barn. So this is all for adoptable horses that are right horse partner organizations. And this is any level of thoroughbred. So this is not just horses coming right off the track. You might be able to find some old schoolmasters and show horses there, or maybe some retired broodmares who are looking for another career at a slower pace. So you'll find all sorts of horses there, all adoptable. And all still right there, able to be tried in the trial ring or have a PPE taken. So the makeover is still going to be kind of your one-stop shop for all things thoroughbred. But yeah, this year adding that adoptable uh, right horse adoption barn. So something new to bring you there. Might be able to find maybe your 2023 makeover horse there for anybody interested. Joy. Oh, I know. I was like thinking, I was like, how dangerous is this for me? <laughs> but it's super exciting and definitely a very cool part of the thoroughbred makeover that you guys are bringing in because it goes to the mission of everything the Retired Racehorse Project is trying to do. So check out the adoption barn while you're there. Come say hi to us. Looking forward to it. Like it's just more and more coming in October. I'm getting excited for things. Yeah. Kristen. We should plan a listener meetup or something there. So Ooh, yes. everybody stay tuned. We'll work on that and get back to you. Follow soon. us on social media. We'll, we'll put deets. Well, Kristen, it is time for one of our favorite parts of the show, our Making the Makeover series. And we're catching up with Natalie Holdren. If you have not heard Natalie's segment so far, go back and listen to the other episodes. They're great. But to catch you up, she is our junior competitor who's actually riding as a team this year at the Third Red Makeover with her horse, Templemore. So, Natalie, welcome back to the show. Yes, I'm excited to be back. It's great to have you because I have to say I'm thoroughly impressed by the amount of energy that you bring to the show every time because you are a showing superstar. You're just out and doing it. So tell us, because last time we talked to you, you were showing, I think, every Wednesday. How has that been going so far for you and Tempe? Um, so that's been going, that's been going well. For him, the jumper shows have really taught him a lot because you can't school before. So the hunter shows, he can go around the ring, see everything, go jump all the jumps and kind of figure out what's going on with his life when he gets there. Mm -hmm. But at the jumper shows, he's 
it's kind of going to the ring and immediately we're working. We school some jumps outside of the ring, but he hasn't seen any of them that are in the ring. So it's really helped him sort of settle in faster and get, okay, I entered the show ring. It's time to start working type of mindset. And then it's just been good for him for his focus. Cause that's always been a big killer for us. But I've noticed now at the Hunter shows after doing a few jumper shows, he definitely, after he goes into that schooling ring, he's like, okay, it's time to work. I'm ready to go. So nice. Yeah. Benefits of cross training for sure. You know, as a Western person, like I'm familiar enough, to, like I can tell the difference between the jumper ring and the hunter ring, but that didn't occur to me that those schooled so differently that you would get that much benefit from doing one versus the other. So that's cool. That's good to know. So would you say, Natalie, like, so he really enjoys the warm up for sure. He likes to take his time into it. How has he been overpaced to any of the jumping shorts or is he still taking those in stride just a little more hesitant? has been phenomenal i think as a jumper shows he's a bit more backed off because he's just a bit more like confused about what's going on but the more places we go and the more we jump around he really hasn't been super backed off anywhere and he still takes everything after he gets over the first few jumps he gets back into his rhythm and it all clicks for him which has been super nice that's amazing. So it sounds like he's got a very good brain. I mean, you prefaced that when you introduced him in your first episode with us, but it, he's really proving himself here, it sounds like. Yes, he really is. I love that. And how's your teammate doing with him? Very well. Uh, she's also going to be taking him to a few shows soon. She has been consistently riding him. She's been putting a lot more of the dressage and heavier flat work that I don't have the long enough legs to wrap around him <laughs> to help do all of that. So that's definitely been a benefit of the team. Yeah. Nice way to split that up. So we're in final entry phase now that opened up two days ago. We're recording this on the third. So as of August 1st, final entry is open. So have you made your final entry? Do you know what classes you're doing yet? We have to still submit our final entry, but we have decided on show hunters and dressage is going to be our final classes for us. Nicely. The nice combo. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's going to look so good all braided up, too. I'm so excited to see I'm, him. He's gonna I be feel gorgeous. like I'm meeting a celebrity, Kristen, a I know. little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you go down the ramp into the Rolex and then you see, like, two idiots bouncing up and down by the side. That's us cheering for you, just so you know. <laughs> uh, like, we love you, Tempe, like, holding signs and stuff, being super <laughs> annoying. Yeah, that'll be us. Well, what I love is I think there's, you know, in the horse world, there's always a little bit of a feud between the hunter girls and the dressage girls to a degree, but it's nice that you and your partner for this, you're kind of combining the two and showing the benefit of both sides of it. Do you feel like he leans towards one more than the other? Do you think he's a rock star of both? He rocks in both rings, but now after our first few months of struggling with jumping, now that he's figured out jumping, I think he enjoys that job more. But I think he still, like, excels at both. But he definitely prefers to be jumping around, whether that's jumpers or hunters. Mm -hmm. So that's always been fun. But definitely, I, I say he doesn't struggle with either, but he, I would say that he definitely enjoys the jumping aspect of the hunters more. Remind me, is he four? How old is he? He turned seven this year. Oh, he turned seven. Okay, I made up four completely. <laughs> That's a good age. It's a very good age to start working with them. So they start to get out of their, uh, their youngster sillies at that point. 
I think you have taken him and really given him some solid foundations. You're taking him to different shows, different locations. I'm curious of how you've managed to keep him on the schedule when it's warm. Like, have you taken some days off in between or is he able to keep going and doing fine? So a lot, he has, me and my partner usually work out a schedule at the beginning of the week and we ride about five days a week. I usually do about three and she does about two just because she has a busy riding schedule with other horses and one of the other makeover horses that's coming from our barn is um, also part of her responsibility. So he usually has about two days off during the week. And since I'm not in school with the heat, I try to ride early in the morning or late at night because we are blessed to have an indoor that has lights. So if I do need to ride late at night, I can go ride the indoor or I ride really early, right as the sun's like just coming up and that way it's not too hot and we can still get a nice ride in. Very smart advice there. So that, that ties in well to everything we just talked about with Dr. Shannon, but putting your horse first and you can still manage to get the time in putting them first and protecting them from the heat and, we follow you on social media. Tempe's obviously thriving. What else is coming up from what we can expect the rest of this month? So rest of August, we have a another Hunter's show. We're kind of winding down on those. That series ends the end of October. And then we have our jumper finals. Our last jumper show for the series is going to be next week or in two weeks. But he's already qualified, so he's getting a week off from that show. And then the jumper finals is at our home barn. So a lot of prep with that and um, getting him ready for that. And then first week of September, we're going to be in Devon showing at Colonial Classic. And it'll be his first real big overnight show. Just so that that way, Kentucky won't be his first big overnight show. Oh, I like that your first overnight is at the Devon Showgrounds, which is just so iconic. I know. I was like, you have to do that if you're doing Hunters ever. It's just a gorgeous facility. Well, send us photos for sure. I want to see him in that blue oval. And we'd love to share it on our social media, too, because we're cheering for you both, obviously. And we'd love to see how he continues and takes on his big first big boy show. It's amazing. Yes, we're excited. We get to the plan is to be showing under the lights in the oval. We have a children's medal that we're going to do. And so that'll be under the lights in the oval. So that's awesome. Stunning. Well, we can't wait, Natalie. It's going to be super exciting. I'm sure he's also going to love having a little break as well while you're on vacation. I'm sure you're going to enjoy that vacation too. (laughs) Are you going anywhere fun? We're going to North Carolina. We take a family vacation down there every year. So very nice. Uh, can we hit some of the favorite spots down there? Love it. Well, have a lovely vacation. Best of luck for the rest of your shows. And we can't wait to check back with you in September. We're getting a little bit close every time to the makeover. Yes. All right. Well, thanks very much, Natalie. Good luck. Thank you. So, Kristen, as we talked about earlier today, I had a horse show over the weekend. I thought it would be fun to ask our listeners if they had any superstitious, lucky charm items that they like to bring to the horse show. Because I have mine. I have a pair of socks that I love. They're my Dreamers and Schemers socks. Not sponsored, but call us if you would like to be. And they have little goats in pajamas on them. And they just make me so happy. And you know what? I got a first place on a horse who's never done it. So, really, so obviously they work. The science proves that it, they work. It's there. So I would love to know, do you have a lucky horse show item? 
don't think I do. I don't. No. <laughs> I'm like okay. thinking back and I'm like, do I? No, I, I don't. Guess I guess I'm not terribly not superstitious about stuff like that. I used to be. I led myself to believe when I was 12 that there was a song on the radio that was cursing me. And if I heard that song on the way of the horse show, I would fall off. So, oh, okay. So you um, went the opposite way. You went yeah. Like, I, but okay. I got that like out of my system like way long ago. So now I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I went through the phase though of like putting way too much pressure on myself at shows and then took a break. And then the makeover was my way to get back into showing again. So ever since then, I've just been like, we're just here to have a good time, man. So maybe the mantras you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. maybe it's just like, we're just here to have fun. It's just I love it. Proper, so. Well, some of our listeners were so kind to share what is their lucky charms when they show. So we have Kaylin who said socks and I'm like right there with you. And I feel like it's a very common one. When you ask people, they have a lucky pair of socks or like a lucky stock tie if they're a dressage rider or something like that. So, but socks is a very popular answer. Well, okay. Uh, Let me amend mine. I have like comfortable socks that I intentionally pack knowing I'm going to be on my feet all day. So maybe those are lucky by default. I'll take it. Yeah. It's, okay. it's lukewarm, but I will take it. <laughs> <laughs> it's my attempt. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, we also had Jamie and not Jamie before Kristen, Jamie, Jamie from Bluebell Farms. Uh, she says that she's a bracelet with her horse's jockey club name that she wears every show. And her husband also gifted her clover earrings, which I think is adorable and warms my heart. And he must be protected at all costs. We also had Bryce, which, hello, we have a guy listening to the show. Thank you, Bryce. I love that. We are for everybody. I know we always address women on the show, but we have Bryce now. And he has a horsehair tassel on his hat band, and it was made from a horse that he lost 15 years ago. So he wears that as a tribute, which I think is amazing. And then we also have Meredith, who has, this is so cute, a crop with a little hand that she's had since she was about eight years old, and she calls it her handy crop. Oh, I love that. I had one of those. I was like, that really brought back some nostalgia for me, and I had to applaud her. Like, how did you keep track of this crop? Because I literally lose mine within five minutes of being at the barn every time. My name's on it. My name's <laughs> Do you use a little <laughs> wrist strap so you can keep it attached to you? Yeah. Somewhere in my brain, I put it down somewhere. It's not even like, oh, it's just a, a long black whip that blends in with all the other ones. It's like blue and white and sparkly. Like I purposely picked a dramatic <laughs> looking whip because I have ADHD and can't find anything ever. And I still... I lose it constantly. I lost it in my own tack locker once, just hit it slightly behind some saddle pads and thought I lost it forever. So good work. I'm very proud of you, Meredith, because you're better than me. <laughs> so I love it. Thank you so much to everyone who does contribute. Like we love putting the polls out. It's a fun way to get to know each of you a little bit better. We will extend a follow when you do contribute. Like I said, we're getting to know you as listeners and people and friends. And it's just a great community that we have that we're building. So follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Check out all the fun stuff we're posting. Give us a like, comment, and you may get a shout out on the show. Well, it's that time for the segment that... We all get really excited for it because we're going to meet a new horse that we all want to bring home. And we have Leandra Cooper from New Vocations to bring us a training tip and introduce our Adoptable Horse of the Week. Welcome back, Leandra. Well, thanks for having me. Of course, it's always a pleasure to have you. Before we talk about the super cute horse that we're going to get into soon, I have a training question for you. 
I would love to know your tips and tricks for how to get the more tense, not totally non-paying attention, anxious horse, but just the slightly tense. We can't fully relax into what we're doing horse into that relaxed state as they work. They get comfortable with the work they're doing. That is a great question. And you can approach this a lot of different ways from the ground, especially just, I would say some of that is going to depend on the rider or the handler's comfortability. I was thinking I was making up a word there. I think that's a word comfortability with their own skill set under saddle. So if you're getting in a horse who seems anxious or nervous and that makes you nervous, then I would always recommend starting from the ground for your own safety and for the horse's sake as well, so that you you're not kind of feeding off each other in that sense because horses are uniquely able to pick up the energy of their herd or, you know, in this case, your your handler, but sort of read the energy space the way they're adapted. So you want to sort of minimize risk and make sure that you're understanding your own comfortability in that too. But from the ground, there's lots you can do. So when there is fear and there's tension, some of that can be anticipation. A lot of that is just response to their experience or their environment, if it's new, if things are going on. So kind of keeping in mind everything that could be going on around them, but also, you know, going back to the way that they're designed, horses have um, a very vast ability to, like I said, read their environment, but beyond just like from one being to the next, they can see blades of grass moving, blowing in the wind in a way that we don't pick up because of our design as more predator mindsets and they have more of that prey mindset. So they are seeing things sometimes that we just don't see. So a lot of what I try to do is sort of refocus the energy that is getting directed towards anticipation of things to come in the future or in just reading things that might not be as much of a threat as they can be perceived to be, but sort of that perceived fear, as long as there's not like a a real fear, right? Not like a bear in the path or be a a great reason to be scared of that, obviously, but that's like a real fear, but there's this like perceived fear that can build anxiety, um, whether that's like they're anticipating being ridden or just like I said, sort of just like letting their energy go to all the little things. So it's refocusing, right? We want them to just sort of communicate with us. And then our job in that is to be the leader in that. So from the ground, there are a lot of really simple things we can do. And I like to focus on that for reestablishing yourself as the leader, because then you can direct that energy. If they're just looking to you as a leader and you're feeling everything's okay, then chances are they're going to read that and feed off of that too. So also, I always recommend people sort of do their own breathing exercises too. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of really good ones. An easy one is like a box breathing where you're breathing in for four counts, holding it for four counts, breathing out for four counts, holding it for four counts. And that also repeats. So make sure you're relaxed too. But I would say, you know, if you have a round pen, that's a great tool to use. Just there are a lot of things. I won't go out and all the different details of how you can sort of work in a natural horsemanship sort of way to refocus energy there, but just getting out some excess energy because that can take a lot of different forms, whether that's on a lunge line, 
just don't abuse that. You don't want to just run them into the ground. But your focus in all of that is going to be just getting them to focus back on you so that you can feel that control again of, like, I'm the leader. I'm going to direct where it's going. On the ground, I also, for a million different things, recommend also just getting them to be in the mindset of responding to pressure. So even just like applying a pressure on, even in a halter, right, a rope halter or plane halter, just squeezing the lead rope like you would a sponge, just applying sort of a pressure, like a downward pressure, not not a yank, but just like a pulsing pressure and just getting them to sort of respond back to you. This is all about refocusing. So even something as simple as that. And if it takes them a while, it takes them a while, but just getting them to, uh, you know, respond to that pressure and then release it and then ask again until you have sort of a fluidness and a suppleness. And under saddle, if you're comfortable at that level, then one of the really simple exercises that I like to do that can be really versatile in achieving different goals as well, just mostly in that mindset of refocusing, is to do circles. Um, You can do as many circles as you need. Like, I'll try to fit in at least three on the long side of the ring if you're in a ring, Um, but just getting them to just go in a circle and then maybe redirect in a different direction too. But again, if they're stuck in a mindset of anticipation, then what you're trying to do is just engage their brain in a different way. So a circle can be challenging if it's smaller, so they have to focus on where their feet are and, you know, what they're doing can make it a bigger circle and try to use aids and get a little bend either inside or outside. But it's a good, simple thing. Sometimes I'll use it as sort of a safety circle for horses who tend to be more nervous. You can pick a spot in the ring and just start there, you know, create sort of a safety circle. And then if they get nervous, go back to your safety circle and they can take some comfort in that. But what I try to do is to minimize your aids in those circles. So kind of let them figure out their pace and their space in those circles because you don't, it's different than like a training exercise. When you want to establish a focus circle, then they kind of need to um, be able to, to moderate themselves and, and bring that sort of rein it in so that we can get back into a, a more focused mindset because ultimately like as herd animals, a lot of the comfort comes from that structure and from that leadership. So, um, you know, a horse, out loose on their own might be frantic because they're looking for buddies. They have the herd mentality. They're looking for their group. So there's, you know, comfort in that, but then also in leadership, like they they like to have that structure and order in that way. So you're just directing them through exercises that are going to help reestablish yourself as a leader so that you can guide that energy a little bit better and then just get them to, to refocus. So that's, you know, you can, you can take that a lot of different ways and expand on that a lot of different ways, but in its most, simplest form that's how it kind of breaks down breaks down for me when I'm trying to work with a horse who is a little anxious and trying to still be productive (laughs) I love that advice Landra I like how you talked about the horse who's anticipating because I do think that's when they're not just naturally anxious like everything's new everything's a little scary it's just that not fully relaxing not fully trusting the rider yet that they're anticipating Mm -hmm. of what do you want from me? I love the breathing example. I teach my students that myself of every time you're asking for something new, take a deep breath out, whether it's a transition, whether you're going to ask for a circle, 
take a deep breath out. And like, I always say scratch their withers too, if you can, like if you're in that safe place, yeah. you don't have to have like a grip on your horse, which maybe we need to take it back to the ground. Yeah. If you do, uh, yeah. I love the scratch on the withers every time they're trying to breathe with you or that you can feel that tension release even for a second. I think it can be really beneficial to the horse to let them know like you're okay. You're in a safe place. Yeah. Absolutely. I think what was key to Landra, you know, you're talking about adding steps and moving the feet. And I think the mm-hmm. tendency for a lot of people, especially if the rider is also a little anxious, which is of course probably contributing to a horse being anxious is like, Oh, well we better stop and, and, you know, stop and relax and wait. And mm-hmm. half the time that's the opposite. Of or over fixing. Yeah. I have to get a relaxed trot. So you just stay on it too long. That's the other opposite. Yeah. yeah I keep trying to mm-hmm. drill that thing. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you got to be somewhere yeah. in the middle, you know, and just keep switching it up and yeah, make yeah. them. Absolutely. Make them yeah. And it. they're just like, they're basically born into movement, right? Like that not only is that natural for them because you know, it's, they're prey animals historically, but, but that's, you know, something that, that is a natural thing. If you're anxious, you want to move. So a lot of times, you know, there are riders who, who try to get them to stay stationary or get frustrated or, or try to just back down to that for their own sake, that like pause, um, Mm -hmm. and, and try to recollect. So it's, it's natural for us to want to do that, but it's very, very much not natural for them where their instinct is more of flight and of uh, getting out of a situation if they're uncomfortable. So, so being able to have a movement that is also productive and is going towards the goals that you're both sort of working towards, um, I find is generally more successful than just trying to get them to stay still when they're already wanting to kind of get, get out of there, even if they don't really know where they want to, if even if it's just like in their brain and they're kind of skittish, but, um, but being able to move through it tends to be more successful in my experience. Ah, fabulous advice as always, Leandra. And I feel like it always comes down to it of knowing the horse coming in with the right mindset and not being afraid to just keep mixing things up. Like you don't have to say, I'm going to come in and today I'm going to work on trotting and canter transitions. Well, if your horse is a little fixated on a gate or wants to be with his buddies, you might, you might end up doing a lot of various things to help them refocus. And that's okay. So just being more open and flexible. Yeah. And I, I always think of like, you know, even in a show atmosphere where you, you like can't, you know, be doing whatever you want. It's not like your home base where you can sort of like take the ring and have all that. Like you might just have a few moments and just feel that tension. And if you establish a sort of, whether it's a safety circle or something else, like sort of a routine where you're checking in with your horse, like that can bring back that more collected organized mindset, right? That, that pattern in their brain, that gives them some comfort. So for me, like I like to do it, bend and then counter bend. So even if you're like staying still that it's like, I would sort of check in and just like ask for a bend, even if you're staying still, right. Just asking for a little bend, just so I can see the corner of their eye, not asking for a lot and then ask the other direction and just sort of work and uh, trying to get a little suppleness in that. So it's not just like, you know, creaking to one side and creaking to the other, right. You're, you're wanting it to be sort of fluid. And I would be like, hello, hello on both sides, like kind of creating it a little <laughs> sort of like jovial <laughs> name for myself. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, I'm sort of joking with them and creating like a looseness in myself 
Mm -hmm. um, and then like pat them and, you know, make it sort of a relaxing exercise that you can do anywhere. And, and that is something that they do remember and, you know, can help you too. Love it. Fantastic. Well, I'm excited to try some of these things for my horse as well as have some of my students do it. I feel very validated, Leah, I can say like, listen, oh, the breathing isn't crazy. Yeah. Stop looking at me like I'm a crazy yoga instructor. It works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, speaking about amazing things, let's talk about our adoptable horse of the week, who's super cute. Tell us about Little Miss or Classic Miss. Cla Sorry. <laughs> yeah, she stands around 16 hands. So, you know, to some, maybe that is little too. And she's still growing for sure. She's a horse that is, she, she's got legs for miles and it definitely shows in her movement. She's one that has been one to watch since she got to us. And she has a personality that, that matches that quality as well, where she is quiet in the barn and while some of the other horses might get worked up if the, you know one bunny goes to turn out before them, she's one who pretty routinely is easy and relaxed and, and is not so much a worrier and really wowed us even from the first ride in our program where she had this quiet confidence to her and just showed and exceptional ability to just kind of go with the flow no matter what she was asked, even in a different environment when she was separated from her buddies and all of that. And as sweet as can be, she has a really in-your-pocket type personality who really likes that that one-on-one -on -one time, be it grooming or getting a bath, that she, she just stands quietly and is just kind of happy to be there. So she's a really fun one to have in the barn for sure. She's so cute. And I don't always have a chance to watch the videos on these, but I did watch the videos just now. And like, if you think this is like, oh, she's just a plain bay, you should definitely watch this little girl move. Mm -hmm. She's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd like in the video, she yeah. almost kind of like warms up into it, you know, like she started out almost yeah, a little definitely. hesitant and then like not even a lap in. She was like, all right, I got it. And had a beautiful yeah, she's time. Yeah. So it yeah. seems like she's really well, trying to please the writer, you know, she's trying to think about what questions are being asked. Absolutely. So my favorite part about that video is that we had taken that on her first ride in our program wow. because she was so exceptional that we were just like, well, this is easy. Like, if you, you know, we'll show her in this and then we can always uh, get a video later on and kind of show her more education process. Because if that's your default coming into it, but like that's, that's a great base to be starting from. Um, so we're, we're pretty excited yeah. about her. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you never know. I mean, you can have a horse who looks phenomenal on the ground and then you get on and they, it's like they forgot how to move all of their legs together. And for her, it just seems so fluid and so natural. Well, yeah. and you know, I'm sure some of that is just who she is. And then some of that, you know, might also just be a testament to the connections she came from too, because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of places really do a lot of work to get these horses pretty rideable before they make it to a second career, which is awesome. You know, that's Absolutely. what we would love to see because a lot of these horses Absolutely. come in with a lot of education. So, which is a good thing to keep in mind. If you are listening to this and thinking you might want an off-track thoroughbred, get one like uh, this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know she's definitely going to go very quickly, but she's so cute. And yeah. she's got that really nice, versatile confirmation. She's got the shorter back. She's 
built pretty square, which is nice. You could, I could see her in the hunter ring pretty easily. She looks like she could do some dressage. Kristen, I'd love for you to weigh in on the Western side. I know she's a little tall, but I think she could be a nice Western pleasure horse too. She is a little tall, but yeah, as I watched that trot go around, you know, and knowing that's her first ride now, yeah, you could definitely bring that along into a ranch type jog. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't really want them going all slow and shuffly. We really just kind of want them going around like a hunter. So Mm -hmm. it's good for the hunters. It's good for us and vice versa. She'd be super cute. And that adoption fee is ridiculous. You guys know what the horse market is like right now. The adoption fee on this mare is 2,500, which is essentially free because if you were to try to buy this horse on the open market right now, that would be like three times as high. So trot on over (laughs) to horseadoption.com and get your, uh, get your form filled out. So you guys are ready to go and move on these horses because that is a bargain for this little mare. She's so cute. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We think so too. And you know, with adoption, you get a lot of other benefits like having other professionals sit on them beforehand, any vet work that comes with them, you know, knowing that they're up to date on everything. So it really ends up being quite a a nice package deal. And I mean, even, even without all that, this is a really nice horse, but, Mm -hmm. but yeah, we think that she's going to have a really fantastic career no matter what she does obviously versatile i'm glad you guys think so too and um looking for that right person for her uh well i know that's a great tempted, but i've made a promise i made a promise that my next horse has to be for the thoroughbred makeover and i didn't apply this year but I really like Just her. Let her so. sit. Let her sit until next year. I know, I bring know. her home. Stop tempting. Stop. Come tempting, on. Kristen. Come on. There's ways. I know. She is my type too. I <laughs> love like that, you know, between 15 to 16 hand mare who's just got that really kind eye. You can tell she's curious. That's, that's my type of ride. So I vouch for her. If anyone adopts her, please let me know. I would love to see how she's doing and uh, check out all the other horses at horseadoption.com. Leandra, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us and we can't wait to have you next time. Well, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to it next time. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. I can be found on Instagram at the horseback writer, and you can follow all of my racehorse ranch adventures on Facebook at Jopper Bill Racehorse to Ranch Horse. My email is kbentley at the rrp.org. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Misfit Equestrian, and my email is joy at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And add more leg, especially when it's hot out. Bye, guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they need it, huh? (laughs) Bye, guys.